Welcome back for a brand new episode of Jory Sports Stories. As always, I'm your host Jory, and I apologize for the delay. I have been sick and light. But on today's episode, we've got plenty to talk about. A plethora of basketball talk, both NBA and WNBA, with all the action that's been going on. We also got some major news in the NFL that needs to be discussed as well. Also on this week's edition of Jory Sports Stories, we have some spiciness to, to discuss and we go over some of the most overrated and underrated names in sports today. Once again, we got an episode that you don't want to miss, so tune in, turn your volume up, and let's get it popping. Once again, we start this episode talking about the NBA. From the wildness of the Eastern Conference Finals to the sweep of the Lakers, and then we have the off-season rumors and headlines to discuss. So without further ado, let's get it started. All right. And so the first thing we're going to talk about in the NBA, we're going to talk about the unfortunate news about Lonzo Ball. Um, How there is a report how secretly the Chicago Bulls think that Lonzo may never may never be able to play basketball again. Um, he has to have a whole cartilage replacement in his knee. So he's got a long way to go. Um, one thing about that is, one, we all saw this coming. Lonzo has been injury prone pretty much his entire career. Pretty much this happened once he started to fix his shot. To me. But... Another thing that I think, personally, is that this should not have publicly gotten out, though. Because the optics of it are bad. If they didn't think that he was going to be able to play basketball again, why is he still on the roster? Like, just cut him. During the offseason, just cut him. Lonzo, I believe that Lonzo Ball may be in a position where he's forced to retire early. Now, could he come back? Yeah, after he gets healthy. But he might be forced to retire early for a few just so he can make sure that he's straight. He's had, I believe, his repetitive issues, knee issues. Um, Playing basketball, I know knee issues. I have knee issues. And those don't tend to go away. So... There's that. And then we're going to talk about the referees. Because this is just, this is just beyond me. It's beyond me. So the first thing we're going to talk about is burner accounts. Believe it or not, we'll also talk about burner accounts in Jory's timeout session. But I'll go into an in-depth little spiel about that in a little while. But... In this case, the NBA opened an investigation into referee Eric Lewis after numerous comments under different posts about NBA referees and defended Lewis and others via Twitter. The account has been deleted, has been deleted was at Cutliff Blair. It's a big no-no if it's true, but at the same time, I understand. But at the same time, Refereeing this whole NBA season has been shoddy. If we're being completely honest, it's been shoddy. 
it's been ticky-tack. Some of it has been favorable. Some of it has been biased, but that's refereeing in all sports. Every referee is not the same. Every referee is not going to call the same game. Every referee is not going to call it by the book. Every referee is not going to be lax. So I understand why he would take to Twitter to defend himself. But at the same time, you know the rules. And you know that once you start moving like a suspect, you make yourself easy prey. So you deleted the account after the allegations. So now, how do we know it's not you? If it wasn't you, why is it going now? That's the kind of mind I have with it. But I think it's just funny because there's notorious, there's been notorious examples of people having burners. Like, oh, Kevin Durant, so he can go back and forth with people because he's sensitive. Um, this example. I believe somebody on the Clippers or one of those teams or a team has gotten suspended because they had created burner accounts attacking their players. Their own players. So I feel like if people really wanted to say something about you, they can find a different way. They might not be as slick as they think they are, and they might not be able to get away with it like they think they they can, i.e. those three examples. But I see the principle in burner accounts. But at the same time, if you're going to do all that, all of that on the Internet, say it with your chest. But in certain cases, you can't do that because of who you are. So do you really expect these athletes to keep to keep a, um, to keep biting their tongues forever? No, especially when y'all keep a when we as. The general population keep attacking them. Yeah. So, big no-no if, big no-no if true. It's hilarious if it's true. It's like a little blurb or whatnot. But, either or. Next, we're going to talk about Heat versus Celtics. Well, first, I'm going to have my little Lakers bit in here. If you watched, if you listened to the um the bonus episode I put out last week... It was everything about the Lakers. So I've had my Lakers peace. So from now on, I probably won't be talking about the Lakers until they do something worth me talking about. Or until I find some other reason to talk about the Lakers. But the the Lakers had their peace last week, Wednesday. This episode was actually supposed to be out on yesterday. It was actually supposed to be out Saturday. But then again, I was sick. Yada, yada, yada. Moving on, we're going to Heat and Celtics. So here's the thing. The Heat had a 3-0 series lead. The series is now tied. They are playing as I'm recording. So if Boston wins this game 7, it will make Miami look horrible because they had a 3-0 lead, and it will be the first 3-0 lead that anybody has ever blown. So... But what should not happen is I don't think Eric Spolstra needs to catch heat. He might need to catch a little bit of heat. But come on now. Let's be honest. Is Jimmy Butler an inconsistent Bam Adebayo and the Muppets? Everybody else is also touch and go. 
they really don't have it like that right now. And then the video game shooting has decided to calm down as well. So, but I'm not going to absolve Boston from not looking horrible as well. So Boston is still kind of struggling in late game situations. Granted, they almost blew game six. And I don't know. They almost blew game six. Miami and Miami. Boston in these late game situations do not end well. They struggle closing games. And boy, they got a task next next if they get if they got if they win this one. But um Miami also needs more than Jimmy B and an inconsistent bam. So credit to Eric Spolster for being for being able to coach up this haphazard bag of groceries that they have right now. I mean, they still have some pieces. I'm not trying to roast the whole team here, but uh, Tyler Harrell's hurt. Vic Vic Oladipo is probably going to be in the Lonzo Ball type situation. He might need to retire early and get himself together a little bit, but or just go ahead and hang it up, period. But he's hurt. Uh, Haslam's whole old. He don't play no more. Um, Kyle Lowry's toast. Duncan Robinson is very talented. He's talented, but he can make... S- that three that he made, he missed. He missed about two wide-open threes in game six. But that... The one that really led to Miami losing that game, that was a stupid brick, too. But Duncan Robinson cannot take dumb shots like that three-point brick in the fourth quarter. I believe I just expounded on that. But they were missing key pieces, and then the pieces that they had to back up those pieces weren't doing very well, minus Gabe Vincent. I think Gabe Vincent might have took Kyle Lowry's job, if you ask me. I mean, I, Kyle Lowry's too inconsistent. He can give you thirty, a 30-pointer 30 every blue moon or whatnot, but come on now. He's been done as a starter for about three seasons now. He's toast. Too inconsistent. Either has a stellar game or just does cardio. Both teams have had multiple blunders and have had mo- their blunders, but... Here's the thing that really kills me, because I'm going to talk about the end of the game six a little bit. Not boxing out worth a lick at the end of the fourth quarter in a tight game is crazy to me. That is just psychopathic to me. Because, and then you hear Eric Spolter try to explain it, that the the ball just bounced it in. Yeah, maybe all of that is true, but why didn't you box out? That's fundamentals. The ball bouncing a certain way does not have anything to do with you boxing out or trying to get a rebound. Had they boxed out, Derek White wouldn't have blown past an old boy and tipped that in. That has nothing to do with the ball bouncing. The ball bounced a certain way and then... Y'all didn't outbox, and Derek White was able to make magic happen. 
come on now. Miami is facing a historic collapse and stuff like that is the reason why. And the fact that they don't have enough right now. Both of these teams have issues that could prove detrimental versus Denver. But the one thing I wanted, I do want to hit on about Miami having this 0-3-0 lead. There's another side to this. Boston also was down 0-3. Their defense really turned it around. In those past three games, Miami did not score, has not scored 100 points, minus the game six. The two games before that, they hadn't scored 100 points. Game six is an outlier that just happened. I don't know what's going to happen to this game here, but who knows? Either they're a lot. But Boston's defense has changed the turn of this series. And then their defense led into some better offense. But let's go into things that could prove detrimental in Denver because this series is still hanging in the balance. Like I said, multiple times the game is going on as I'm speaking. Outside of Jimmy and sometimes Bam, the supporting cast, minus Gabe Vincent, is unreliable. Tyler Harrow, Oladipo won't be walking through the door. Jesus Christ won't be walking through the door. Defensively, y'all need some help. Especially if you win this game, you got to deal with Denver. You're going to need some defensive help with that. Boston, late game situations is a big weakness if we're kind of, like I said, this is not something that's brand new in Boston right now. What happened, what's happening in Boston is a coaching downgrade. Now, I'm not saying that Joe Mazzula isn't a good coach. He made some adjustments last game. I'm pretty much, as much heat as he's take, yeah, as much heat as he takes, we need to give him that, the same type of credits for pulling this team out of a 0-3 hole. Come on now. Sometimes, but that's why I have this next point up. The coaching is inconsistent. So he got, like, the players played horribly. And the team did not perform well to get them well enough to the point where they were in a 0-3 hole. Correct? And then something happened. You can uh, give credit to the players. Give credit to the coach. They said, we ain't going out like that. And they turned it around. And now we're in the game seven. But I still feel like coaching is inconsistent. Mistakes have been made. Costly mistakes have been made. I don't need to make examples examples out of that, out of that do I? Like the timeout. They've been making mis- they've been making coaching mistakes since Philadelphia series, and it's a miracle they came out of that series. Um, sometimes Jason Tatum and Jason Brown aren't enough, and everybody else is very hot and cold. But once again, you got to realize they got absolutely saved by Derek White, who has the the ability and capability to come in and be a strong third person. You still have uh, Marcus Smart, who's on the defense, you who can occasionally get a bucket. They have it again. Closing games that's detrimental, knowing that Denver the Denver Nuggets is coming up. They haven't really closed well game. They haven't closed. They have not closed out games well. This series or the season series before. 
did everything they could to blow this game six. And now we're in Boston. So, bottom line, whoever wins game seven, I don't give them a good chance versus Denver. Miami is too small. They don't have enough to efficiently deal with Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and others. They just don't. I feel like my, Miami's a little small. Miami's defensive defense right now is a little... It, it's on and off. Bam, we know what Bam does on the defense, but sometimes he's inconsistent. Boston's role players are too inconsistent as well, and they haven't played well after halftime. That is key because y'all can say what y'all want about my Lakers. Get him swept. They fought. Those were close games. These three, three of these games, these games, I mean, these games have been close, but at the same time, there have been blowouts. Boston lost by about almost four, about 30 points. So, to end this segment, NBA Finals prediction, I have Nuggets versus Celtics, Nuggets in six. Key thing. Boston cannot fall, fall down 0-3 to this team. They will get swept. And it's a very good chance that Denver might be a little bit too rusty, maybe a little rusty, and they could drop game one. But if they win this series, I believe game one will be in Boston. So, But they haven't necessarily played well at home either. So that's a toss-up too. So you can go in Boston and beat them. But that's neither here nor there. We will see about that. We'll see the finals matchup in a few hours. And now, on to the WNBA. And I've got some serious questions and comments. Like, for one, what's going on with the Minnesota Lynx? And clearly, the New York Liberty just needed to get their sea legs up under them. All of that and more in this WNBA segment. So, let's get it. First thing first, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Lynx. Um, They haven't been able to get it together this season yet. Even with their star star players having big games. So, I've actually sat... I've actually been able to watch some highlights of the Lynx, and here's what I got from this. Defensively, as a team, they need to get a little bit better. They need to be a little bit more physical. They aren't necessarily shooting well as a team. And what I mean by that, even though they have stars, they have Nafizia Collier, they have the talent, they don't, they're not shooting well as a team. They might shoot well individually, but they're not shooting well as a team. They're not coming off the bench and shooting well either. So they're very good at rebounding, but they also do need to be more physical. They turn the ball over too much. I've been looking at the turnover ratios for the past four games and whatnot. And it's kind of concerning if you ask me. So they do need to develop as a team and limit the silly mistakes. Turnovers. Um... I feel like as the season goes on, the Minnesota Lynx could actually start finding their groove. They haven't found it yet. They haven't won a game yet. They've actually been blown out maybe once or twice already. But they, it, it's because the their big problem right now is their defense isn't that is decent, but it's not going to stop 
other people it's not really going to stop other people from scoring and their scoring is also very inconsistent so that's how you lose games so minnesota develop some more get your legs up under you with minnesota's I believe that Minnesota and Seattle is also actively going through a uh, rebuild. So they might also be missing a few pieces too. They also might they, eh. they might also be needing to reinforce a few a piece few pieces as well. This is why I want the WNBA to expand their roster size roster sizes. Like why is it only like 10 to 12 people? Why can't it be like the, the NBA and have 15? Because I feel like a lot of these rosters, a lot of these players wouldn't be getting cut if they had 15-player rosters, if they had more teams. A lot of these basketball women's basketball players would actually have their own team, would have their, would have, let me rephrase that. If there were more teams and there were more roster spots, we would have less noticeable talent getting cut every year if we're being honest but that's neither here nor there on to miss Aaliyah boston now people been getting Aaliyah boston some flack because in the preseason she was drawing a lot of fouls and da, 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 da. they were concerned about how well her style of play would translate um one thing I want to say is that she's cleaning up some of those fouls. That's one of the most important things. She's translating well into this league. She's shooting well. She's defending well. She's creating opportunities for her other teammates. She's also, no doubt, a very, very capable rebounder. As a rookie, in the first four, three to four games, averaging 15 points and six point six and a half rebounds as a rookie, if she continues to develop her game and to improve, She's going to be very nice for a while, for years to come. So I don't know why people were just so surprised. I don't know why people were I don't know why people were doubting her ability to translate her game to this league. She was the number 1 pick for a reason. Am I right or am I right? The Atlanta Dream are better than what their record suggests. I believe Ryan Howard is special. They have multiple players capable of hitting 20 in their just just in their last game, which was a three-point loss versus the Fever. That Miss Cheyenne Parker, even though she's catching some heat right now, Ryan Hart, Howard, Alicia Gray all hit at least. They all got into double digits. They also have a solid bench as well, depending on the rotation. They can shoot the three. They need to shoot better consistently, though. That Atlanta Dream Team, it wants the Atlanta Dream can be very dangerous if they can hit if they can hit their stride. Now, the next team I'm going to talk about is we're going to talk about the Las Vegas Aces. Now, one, they're definitely rolling right now, but that's expected with a super team. You have Asia Wilson. Candace Parker, Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum. Yeah, just this, them four by themselves. That's a lot of power on that offense. And Aja Wilson is giving MVP type things again. 
also averaging 18.3 points per game and 10.7 rebounds. Everybody, like, the one thing about the Aces is they're so stacked. It's everybody doesn't necessarily need to score or shoot well, but they can. And that's what really makes them scary, especially with people like Candace, who's a monster at rebounding. We all know what Chelsea Gray is. Um, Aja was just a... Asia Wilson was just the um, MVP last season. Three players are already averaging double digits of points. This is a great rebounding. Again, turnovers, turnovers. But ball security is simple. It'd be the stupid turnovers I get mad at. But I believe that Las Vegas Aces, as they look right now, if they could keep this up, they should. They could be top favorites to win the title again. In all honesty. Now with the Seattle Storm. Here's the thing. When you see the Seattle Storm. You know what they lost. Once again we have another Lynx like situation. Here is where we go with this. This team is clearly rebuilding. You lose Brianna Stewart. Who is now in the Liberty. Who are playing well. Brianna Stewart is showing that she's still Brianna Stewart. One, arguably one of the best players, if not the best player in the league. Even though I think, who cares what I think. But, and then Sue Bird retired. Two big old holes. So, the biggest thing about the Seattle Storm right now is they're clearly going to need more than Jewel Lloyd putting the team on her back to no avail. Kia Nurse is a play, is a key. She is a, she's still a key player, still. But, the one person who's, this whole season, through the four first four games in the preseason, who's been showing up, not the preseason, but who's been showing up consistently is Jewel Lloyd, and she's not enough. They're going to need more. Outside of Lloyd, nobody else is scoring very well. She's averaging 26. Four games in, and she's averaging 26 a game. They're pretty sound at rebounding and on defense. They need answers on offense. So they're going to need a few pieces that can shoot. I don't know if they can deal with that in this season or if they're going to have to deal with that in the offseason. But they're going to need some more pieces that can shoot. And before we get onto that, we got the New York Liberty. Brianna Stewart is on a roll right now between her scoring rebounds and defense. Sabrina Ionescu is right behind her playing exceptionally well. Even though they don't, like I said, the Liberty are pretty much just like the Aces. Everybody doesn't need to have 40 points a game. But we know they all can ball. and We know they all can be a bucket. That's the thing. And then you team up John Quell Jones with Brianna Stewart. It's a, it's a sight to see. I love to watch it. It's definitely scary. And they're shooting very well. Like the teams like Seattle. No, not Seattle. Um, the Lynx, who aren't shooting very well. The Liberty are. They're shooting well from the field and they're shooting well from the three. Rebounding as a team is very good. This team might be going on a run soon. And right now they're clicking very early and I like it. I mean, they might have dropped the game and they didn't look very well. But they're clicking right now. What other team do I want to say something about? Oh, the Dallas Wings. They're on my radar because they play well. 
They do play well. Just they're getting it together bit by bit, game by game. They're rebounding well. They can shoot. They're young. They're a relatively young team, but they're getting it together slowly but surely. They're getting it together. Watch out for the um the Dallas Wings. I don't know what's going on with the Sparks. Last time I checked, pretty much half their roster was out sick. I don't know if it was in, in the injury report said non-COVID illness. So was it the flu? Is it a stomach bug going around? Because that's how you get blown out, which they did. Not surprisingly. So I don't know what's going on in Minnesota. The Connecticut look, the Connecticut sun looked pretty good. Brittany Grinder looks good. Coming off of what she went through in Russia, she's been playing pretty well. I wanted to give her her shout out because she's she's back over here playing with the Mercury. Um, so yeah, that's been, what's been going on in the WNBA. I've been so excited to be able to watch it. But right now, if we're gonna be, if it's a way too early thing, just off of what I see, the two best teams right now are the Ve- the Las Vegas Aces. And the Liberty. And I think Phoenix is going to be pretty good. And now we're on to the NFL. And this week we got some explosive news regarding a release. We got OTAs in session and more. And I also go through some more free agents now that we got a release. That should be on the team but aren't for various reasons. But without further ado, let's get into it. So the first thing we're going to note about the NFL in the NFL right now is about the big news about DeAndre Hopkins. He was flat out cut by the Cardinals after a massive failure in finding a trade partner. He will have suitors and he does have a list of preferred teams. Some of them include the Ravens, Bills, Chiefs, Bengals. Contract. But here's the thing. I know from some sources, and I've done some reading, that contract was an issue So for both the Bills and the Chiefs. So but those two are out, pretty much out. And those two are teams that could really use a DeAndre Hopkins because Bills need somebody on the opposite of Stephon Diggs, and the, the Kansas City Chiefs can't keep wide receivers. So there's that. And then I've heard some of this. That he skipped start of OTA, sat out two games at the end of the season when he could have played and he was perfectly healthy. And that kind of made some people in the organization sour. That's what I've read. That's what I've heard. Now, whether it's true or not, tell the source, don't tell me. So it did kind of sour a bit. It had to sour for the Cardinals to take a $22.6 million dead hit. That's a cap hit of $22.6 million. It had to sour for it to get to that point. And this is what he wants for his next team because he doesn't want a short-term deal. This man is going to want to be, he's been looking for a home. He's looking for a home right now. So this is what he wants. And some of this is verbatim. A quarterback that loves the game, most likely experienced and mature and can bring everybody along. That might be a shot to Kyler Murray, but who knows? Great defense. 
he actually accentuated the defensive line, specifically a stable front office. You, We all know that DeAndre Hopkins has been a part of dysfunction for most of his career in both Houston and in Arizona. So where do you see him going? Well, I don't think the Ravens can pay him as much as he wants to because they overpaid for OBJ. I'm going to call it as it is. They overpaid for Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, like I said, contract ish- contract was an issue for both the B- Chiefs and the Bills, so it's safe to assume that they're out. But I don't call, I don't count them out. They might not do it. They could, but I don't think they will because contract is an issue. Bengals don't need a wide receiver. There are some teams. My team could use a wide receiver. But I don't think he would want to come to Tennessee. I don't blame him. I mean, I blame him, but I don't blame him. My wide receiver room is what it is. I'm a realistic person. I'm going to cheer, but I know what I'm looking at right now. My team is not going to suck. So don't start that. But next thing we're going to talk about is the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. So everybody was making this a big hoopla and a big situation and whatnot. But he underwent a foot surgery in March after signing his contract, which was three years, $72.75 million. Everything looks well, and he's doing his process diligently. He's gonna, he kind of had to get waivers to pass that physical test, but if he doesn't pass a physical by the start of the season, it could negate his, it could negate his contract. So I don't think this is a very major issue. personally so what's next on the nfl docket we're going to talk about some of the top free agents available and then i will actually get into some titans talk i'll actually might start to do doing every do doing this every week because my team started the otas so, so without further ado best available best available excuse me DeAndre Hopkins, self-explanatory. Yannick Ngakwe. There, I believe, because he is a very good pass rusher. He can't stop the run to save his life. That's why he's a free agent. But he is a valuable pickup to somebody who needs a pass rusher. Jadavion Clowney, he leaves everywhere he's been in a hot mess spectacle. He had an ugly split from Tennessee, I believe. He had an ugly split from Cleveland. He had an ugly split from Houston. Did he play in Houston? Yeah. So, Marcus Peters, he's still a valuable corner. I don't know why he's a free agent. Frank Clark. I know why he's a free agent. Justin Houston, don't know why he's a free agent. He might be just old, but... Titans talk. Titans talk. So, we just kicked. We just kicked off OTAs. Uh, Derrick Henry was there. Jeffrey Simmons was there. Tannehill was already was always ready to go. Kevin Byard was not there. That's a big thing. Him and front office and coaching staff have an understanding of the given circumstances. His contract is in a big limbo right now. Tajay Spears for the good. Stop harping on the fact that this man does not have an ACL in his right knee. 
and one of his knees. He is explosive, he is shifty, and he is healthy. It is not going to bother him. Period. I've seen some videos. Offense, offense is said to look better. Jesus Christ. If it's going to look better because my offensive line looks better, and I've seen some images of the offensive line, that the new 77, he, he's legit. The new double sevens is legit. And Traylon Burks looks very, looks very much better, feels better, and he's working hard. And here's the thing about the chatter with DeAndre Hopkins. Chill out. Y'all need to chill out if you really been keeping an eye on this team. Y'all don't know what this team is going to do for real. Y'all make these stupid assumptions because this is not something that you're familiar with, right? This is a new general manager. Him and Mike are working to build this team. Now, whether or not I believe they can get DeAndre Hopkins and keep Kevin Byard. I do. They're going to have to make some decisions, though. But just chill out. You already know what the wide receivers are looking like. But the more I think about it, if you have DeAndre Hopkins on the other side of him, let's say a Traylon Burks, and keep Nick NWI as a WR3 or a solid WR2. Yeah, three. Duh. You could be in business. But, hey, we'll see what happens to DeAndre Hopkins because he'll be on somebody's roster. He's not going to be a free agent for very long, if we're being completely honest. And that's just that. But y'all overreacting about the y'all Titans fans overreacting about this DeAndre Hopkins things. Just chill out. Chill out. Let the cards play out. Let them play out. Alrighty, alrighty. So on this week's edition of George Timeout Session, we discussed the social media spiciness between former athletes turned television analysts, and others. Then we rank some of the most overrated names in sports and who's some of the most underrated names in the sports world. And it's an entertaining segment that you just can't miss. So get your ears ready, your last ready, your opinions ready, and let's get it. Welcome to this. Whoever is blowing firecrackers and shooting guns outside is very inconsiderate but regardless welcome to this week's edition of George timeout session so first we're going to start about spiciness i'm going to talk about the thing about kwame brown and shana sharp and i feel like and here's my humble opinion it was funny but then again come on now you don't have any self-awareness to know who you are and what you're regarded as, Mr. Brown. It's really hilarious how you take aim at him when he couldn't take that same type of heat from Michael Jordan. Reportedly. You can't really disrespect a Hall of Famer who's paid to give his opinion when you are in fact known as one of the biggest busts ever. So don't get defensive. So don't be a... So don't be so sensitive. You got to check. 
and you still didn't amount to much, and you couldn't take hard criticism. And it's not like anybody lied on you, so pipe down. Everybody has an opinion, and a lot of opinions on you happen to be so similar. How unfortunate. Stop being sensitive and so defensive. Every, almost anybody in the NBA can say that you were a bust. Now, the reasons might be varied. Some people blame Michael Jordan. Some people just blame you. But your career in the the NBA didn't turn out the way you expected it to turn out. And that's okay. But don't be so defensive because somebody calls you what you are. Or what you're considered as. You You got your money. You got paid $50 million. But you're not going to, I don't like the fact that you try to discredit and disrespect somebody who has a Hall of Fame jacket and you don't, and you won't be getting one. I mean, I'll just lay it, I just lay it on the line, how I see it. You can, anybody can disagree with me the way they want, but at the same time, that's how I see it. Anyway, overrated names of sports. Here's my top 10 overrated in sports list, mainly individuals, but there are some teams on here. And when the definition of overrated, highly praised compared to relative success. So, listen, these, like, even though it says top 10, I don't think this is going to be in any particular order. And some of these I could switch out for other names. But without further ado, here's a small list. Aaron Rodgers. Now, arguably, you can't argue that Aaron Rodgers is one of the most talented quarterbacks that we've seen this generation, correct? But he has one Super Bowl and he can't get past the NFC Championship game ever since. Tim Tebow was overrated, period, point blank. He couldn't throw a straight dart. All his, all the footballs that he threw went in a tornado circle. Tony Romo was overrated because I feel like the Dallas Cowboys as a whole, they're on this list too. They're next. But Tony Romo was overrated. He had these moments and flashes where he oh, of greatness. He was overrated. The Dallas Cowboys, for as long as I've been alive, have been overrated. They haven't done anything since before I was born. I'm 22. They haven't done anything in 27 years. My mama was living her best life without me. The last time the Cowboys did something worthwhile. So, there's that. And one could argue, maybe I might make some people mad. But if you look at my my list, too highly... My definition of overrated, too highly praised compared to relative success. You could say Damian Lillard kind of fits on his list. Even though, in Dame's defense, Portland has not put together a very good team around him at this point. They have some talent. They have some pieces. They're just, 
for whatever reason, they can't make the point. They can't make the jump. They just can't. Correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. Jadavion Clowney. He made his money off of one hit in college. And he got to the NFL. And he's a free agent now because everywhere that he goes, he leaves. And it's ugly. There's no mutual divorce or somebody's just paying you more. It's ugly. Like, why do we got to know that they, you had an ugly split with... um? With, with Cleveland and you didn't want to be in Tennessee and then Houston got rid of you. Eh. Now, this next one might make some people mad, but if you listen to what... If you understand my rationale about this name, y'all will get it. Odell Beckham Jr. is extremely overrated to me. I feel like what Odell Beckham Jr. can do, just about any other wide receiver can do. Because I've seen it. He made his name off of one catch. Oh, that's Odell Beckham Jr. He's a wide receiver. And at this point in his career, and he's fast and he's physical. And I understand that. And he makes these athletic catches. But so does any other wide receiver in this league. He made his money off of one catch, and I'm not being a hater. I just think he's overrated. Baker Mayfield. He had to be on this list because he's inconsistent. Number one overall pick, hyped up to be all this. He's on his third team, and he's on his fourth team in two years. And on his eighth, about millionth head coach. So, Baker Mayfield's resume and the things he's been through this season, the past five seasons, past five to six seasons, is a testament to Baker Mayfield being overrated. Mr. TikTok Boy Juju. I... He was going on here. I know he was going on here. Because he did it. <sighs> Juju is not a is not a wide is not a number one wide receiver. He's the number two wide receiver. But he has number one wide receiver personality. And it don't mix. You got wide receiver two talent with wide receiver one personality. And He's overrated. He needs somebody on the other side of him that's getting majority of the coverages and majority of the targets so he can have his game. That's what we know. And we still know he's a good receiver. Kansas City turned him into a pretty capable receiver on his own. But at the same time, Juju is what he is. He's prone to drops. He's a troll. He's average. And number one, and I feel like a lot of people might agree with me here, is Mr. Rudy Gobert. And that's some honorable mentions, but we'll go through there. We'll go through those in a minute. Mr. Rudy Gobert. When you talk about overrated, Minnesota messed up their franchise for this man, and they're regretting it. They traded their house. Not the house, the house, the car, the garage, 
on the outside, the fence, the neighborhood. They they were like, give them to me. And now they don't, and now it's not working. So, he got all this attention from when he was on the side of like, he was when he was with Donovan Mitchell in Utah. And then Minnesota fell for the trap, got fleeced, and they now know that he's up there French frying it up. So I he ain't worth he ain't worth them five draft picks. I will tell you that. Honorable mentions. Now listen, do, do I need to repeat the the, the overrated Definition in my eyes, too highly praised compared to relative success. Zeke Elliott, Dak Prescott, Trey Young, Ben Simmons, Pat Beth. I mean, Dak and Zeke go hand in hand, kind of sort. No, no, they don't. Zeke had one good, one phenomenal year, one or two, and then it was downhill ever since he's been showing his true self ever since which is overrated i always thought zeke was overrated i always thought my man in tennessee was a better running back than zeke but apparently it is what it is dak dak has cowboy fans being very delusional about him because he's a great person they want the quarterback talent to match the person he is average to above average. You put a good defense in front of him, and he turns into a deer in headlights. And that just didn't happen last year. That's happened all for about five seasons now. So he is what he is. Trey Young has died. Self-explanatory. Ben Simmons is self-explanatory. Patrick Beverly being overrated. Self-explanatory. Now, underrated. Here's some of my top 10 underrated names in sports. Some of these are recent. Some of these are not. But Lamar Jackson, the only reason why I say that is when I thought about it. One, I had put Kevin Herter on this list. Right? I literally put him, put him and Lamar Jackson in at the 10 spot. But Lamar Jackson, he's capable. He's known capable. He's known for what he can do with his legs. He's kind of underrated by what he can do with his arm. Jared Goff and or Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had his coming out party last year. So did Jared Goff. But Jared Goff was so stuck in between. I don't think Jared Goff really fit Sean McVay. And then the Rams were, eh before that so him getting dan campbell and the offensive coordinator kind of made him more of an underrated person he's talented now this one's gonna make some people mad and i'm gonna put my quarterback at eight mr ryan Tannehill. y'all can say what y'all want to say about the three interceptions right but in all the afc the AFC, the only quarterback I don't think I've beaten yet is Burrow. I've beaten Lawrence. I've beaten Mahomes a few times. I've beaten Josh Allen. We've beaten J Raven, the Ravens. 
So, and he's, he might not be a top five in the, in, the, in the AFC, but he's definitely a top ten quarterback in the AFC. If we're being honest. Get that man some respect. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has also lived under the rock of 33 to nothing and 28 to 3. Y'all poke at Matt Ryan for a bad fourth quarter in the Super Bowl and for the Indianapolis Colts failing this man. And for 33 to nothing point differential. I blame that on the coach. But y'all put that on that Ryan. But minus those two blemishes, you cannot. Like, I, growing up in Georgia, had the opportunity, have had the opportunity to watch Matt Ryan for pretty much my entire life, right? So it's like, for, for the. So I know what Matt Ryan has been capable of. He was a shot. He's not always been a noodle arm. His arm was, wasn't always shot. The stuff y'all got last year, we that was something that we saw coming. But him being in Atlanta kind of disguised it. But we didn't see Matt Ryan of last year coming that fast. But he's, he was a good quarterback. Don't be stupid. Clay Thompson. I feel like Clay Thompson gets lost sometimes. In the shadow of Steph Curry. But, you know, sometimes Clay Thompson likes to show his rear end and be salty Clay. So, I really don't know where you go with that. Maya Moore was a dog. Y'all, we all get caught up with what she did. Well, with the um her not playing basketball and being into politics and whatnot. But, she was pretty good when she played, if we're being honest. Robert Williams, he's underrated if you ask me. Desmond Bain is underrated, if you ask me. Jared Vanderbilt made a name for himself as a Laker, if you ask me. Jonathan Kaminga, underrated, if you ask me. And here's some honorable mentions. Herb Jones and and Shai Gilgis Alexander. Now, the next thing I'm going to talk about is... The whole thing about burner accounts, right? I'm perfectly fine with people having burner accounts because sometimes you just got to get it out. But at the same... Well, I'm not perfectly fine with it because if you're going to use a burner account to spread hatred and evilness, mm -hmm. But I understand the point of burner accounts to say what you really can't say on your personal account because of who you are, right? Well, and then when people find out that you have a burner account, they pile on you even more about being sensitive because why can't you just say that with your regular account, which that's something that I also understand. But the whole th- this whole burner account thing in sports is nothing new. I bet you most of these athletes got a burner account. I know some do. I bet Kevin Durant still got a burner. Burners are not big deals. But we also know that Kevin Durant is sensitive when it comes to him. So him having a burner makes sense. 
because he feels like he has to defend himself. But as like I said, it's long like there's no rules in the NBA saying that. I don't think there's any rule in the NBA saying that players can't have burner accounts. But there's a rule in the NFL NFL NBA ref book that says something about commentating towards about refs and whatnot. So in that particular case, yeah, if Eric Lewis did it and that was his burner account, he was wrong because there's a rule that he can't do that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll admit I'm wrong. Yada, yada. But I think burner accounts are hilarious because you know when it's somebody's burner. They keep being defensive and they keep responding to stuff about them. They don't necessarily move very differently. They're bur- they're called burners for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Y'all know the drill. We reached the conclusion of another episode of Jory Sports Stories. And as always, I'm your host, Jory. And I want to thank you all for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, feel free to share the podcast or let's grow the audience. Once again, if you're listening to us on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Let's grow the channel. Make sure you share the video. Let's grow the channel. And don't forget to tune in next week for more playoff analysis and more. Thanks for listening today, and I'll see y'all next week.